I may not have hit record. No. No. <laughs> Welcome back to the Friday Podcast. Because of technical difficulties, there was a lot of fixing in post. After jams and sequels that never were, we get right into the main assignment. Our very first Mad Lib story. It gets dark. And remember, this podcast contains adult language and drinking alcohol. It is not appropriate for young audiences. We can't fix bad choices in post. Hey, uh... Should we do this? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, uh, welcome to the Friday Podcast. It's a Friday. Is it? We're yes. It is. It's Friday. We're at the library. This is a Friday. Uh, September twenty-seven. Yeah, I, I was getting there. I was getting there. You're not my real dad. Hey, uh, yeah, we're here at the library. We got a big crew. We got we got an action-packed adventure tonight. And we'll start off with introductions, because as always, I'm Josh, and to my left, as usual, is Lucas. I'm Chad. <laughs> Ava. Angie. Yeah. Do you want to do the chat voice the whole time, or should I do it? Let's, let's go oh. back and forth and see which one sounds better in post, and then just, yeah, go. we'll go back and re-record Chad. The girls' voices, because I can't do those voices. I was going to go kind of like a Spanish, like... <laughs> Just wait, I'll squeal like a little girl here in a second, I'll laugh. <laughs> That's that promise. Yeah. So uh we got we got a lot to cover. We got some we got I, we got a story I cannot wait to hear tonight, but first first and foremost, I would like to discuss some jams. Yes, let's jam it up. Boys. Let's get jammed. We got some strong views on the jams. Oh yeah, I can't Already. wait. So alright, so first jam by uh the multi talented uh, varied voice actor uh, H. John Benjamin, a, a plethora of voices in one man, the, the man of a million voices. So many voices. Yes, Coach McGurk. Yes. Uh, oh man, uh, Archer, Bob uh, Belcher. Uh, he's he's phenomenal. He had his own TV show for a while. Uh, was it John Benjamin's World or? Band down by the river, right? Was his band? Yeah, it was. Yeah, but uh, he has he has released a jazz album, H. John Benjamin has, uh, called "Well I Should Have," with an asterisk. Uh, Learn to play the piano. Did anyone else enjoy H. John Benjamin's jazz as much as I did? What do you think? I did enjoy it. I like jazz. Did you enjoy his no piano? No problem with that jam. I, <laughs> Lucas, Lucas is a few Cronenbergs in. This is Cronenberg Lucas. Yes. No, I, man, I. South and Cronenberg are going to line up one day, and we'll see who wins. I, I. Define winning. I, I loved not puking. So, uh. To beep that out. I, I love the jazz. And the fact that there were such talented musicians playing around him, and they just kept going with it. It was so good. But it did it did remind me, this I think has been in the homework a long time ago, well before we, we podcasted. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Matt Mulholland's recorder cover of Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. That was fantastic. So that, we listened to these on the way to school the other day. Oh. That one was a hard one to get through. <laughs> that's that's a hard one. I think we skipped. If you if you can't what the video. Well, you didn't fully do the homework. <laughs> In a sense, no. We listened. To, how long is that? We listened. It's it's not short. Too long. It's not short. <laughs> not short. That's what I looked at. I'm like, we'll be at school or dead by then. I. It's it's it is better with the video. The video, the video doesn't. Uh, no, oh. I thought you were driving. While okay. driving. Yeah. All right. Driver. That's, that's his business. She's been teaming and a half. The chauffeur doesn't get. Part of, part of the what I love about it is the commitment to doing the entire song. Like, that was commitment. Yeah. He was committed to it. We got Trinity again. Trinity, say hello. Trinity. Hi. Say hello. Hi. 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 Hi.
Say hello to the people in Japan. Hi, people in Japan. They don't speak. Oh, yeah, they don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there we go. So, uh, so next up, we got a love roller coaster. Yes. Ohio yes. Players Club. Big fan. You're not a Ohio player. What, what is wrong with you? Uh, what? This is at the point where I ask Ava's question. Why did he choose the live versions of all these songs? Now that now this one this one was a hard decision because the live version uh, sucked a yes. little bit. But the 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 video was so great. The video was so great that I had to choose this version. I mean, Wolfman Jack introducing was excellent. Yeah, how cool was but that? But then when Ohio Players started, it went downhill. It it was rough. I, I'll admit. The, uh, the album version of the whole player stuff is, is such a better recording, obviously, but... I'll take the Red Hot Chili Peppers version of that song over the Ohio I, Players version of that song. I, I, I love the Chili Peppers version, too. They're, it's a great cover of a great song. This video, the video, unfortunately, is not the best version, but it's such such a cool like just visual of, of them. I mean, it's, it's just... Pretty yeah, it, it, the dancing, the guy, the guys that jump up on the stage like halfway through and just ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, so good. This one was. <laughs> That's why I chose it. All right, what's next? Next up, we've got um, we got some Queen. This is the only good song. The Highlander song. This is a it's a great song. I one of my favorite Queen songs. <laughs> Again, I chose a live version. Uh, again, for the visual, uh, Freddie Mercury belting it out live is. Scenes from Highlander is way better Ah, disagree. But we had Brian May on piano to start it off, and then he switched the guitar, and it was fantastic. Yeah. I, again, this one, uh, the live version may not be the best version of that song by Freddie Mercury, but, uh, but, the, but the man, it was, was cool. That's so just so cool. Is uh is Queen's is Queen's soundtrack on uh, Highlander better than Queen's soundtrack on Flash Gordon? Yes. Ooh. Oh. 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 Hard nose on that. Flash Gordon is just a ridiculous, awesome song, and it is a terribly good movie. And Highlander is. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, but there's not a Highlander song. There is a Flash Gordon song where Freddie Mercury. Flash! Ah! The impossible. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I'd also I'd also come across a cover of that song. I saw Lindsey Sterling on it, and instantly I'm like, I gotta check this out. Lindsey Sterling and the four tenors. The four tenors. Who combined are like half of Freddie Mercury. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, at that point, you started going a little down. Well, I'll say this was definitely a step down from the Queen version. I th everyone appears to agree with me. I thought it. I thought it was a it was a cool cover, but. I, I just look at the, the Google YouTube suggestions in the sidebar and it, it gives me a cappella performances and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to follow that show. Alright. So, here's your limit Alright, so mo moving, moving on then. Unleash the Archers. Unleash the the band that I'm currently just still in love with. That was a very different and I would say better song than their typical. I, I like that. I liked I, it. I, I thought it was likable. Lucas, Lucas frowns. Lucas grimaces. Oh yeah, I was not a fan. <laughs> Did absolutely nothing for me. Oh, that's such a shame. The video is strange. It's just like the band hanging out in random areas, like so in a hot tub. So the, then they're on stage. The, the band. No sense. So the, the the whole concept of the video. So the the band is passage. Are, are the band the, the video has nothing to do with the video with the song. Obviously. The video, the band is a huge fan of uh, Rick and Morty and multiverses and things like that. So the video was just them like running with this idea, like this idea of like there's multiple versions of themselves and they all converge and they're all on tour. They're all on tour. <laughs> Two chicks singing on stage that look identical. Yeah. It's because it, it was her from a different. I, under, I understood the video. That, yeah. It doesn't mean it's good. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Hurts. Well, 
Was it an ode to Lewis and Clark? I mean, uh, it was cute. The Northwest <laughs> Passage. Uh, no, he lives outside the box. And it was, it was a cover of uh, what I assume is an old Canadian folk song. Yeah. I, I really... I'm, I'm so still failing to get that? you guys on. Starlight Brigade. Oh man! Oh, How on. cool is Starlight Brigade? Okay, have you ever have you ever listened to Daft Punk's Discovery album? You guys know that? No. Is? Okay, so Daft Punk, awesome like electronic music pioneers. They did a whole album that they produced an anime video to that this this band ripped off for this music video. Really? really? Oh. Discovery is the jam. Check it out, Daft Punk. Well, now I gotta look it up. Well, now well, now, look, you're, yeah. now that's breaking uh, up. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, regardless, it was still cool. Irregardless. 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 <laughs> yeah, so it's got Dan Avedan, aka Danny Sexbang from uh, Ninja Sex Party. Yeah. Which is how he showed up. You know, I don't know personally. Oh, I got excited. Yeah, Ninja Ninja Sex Party was a previous homework. Yes, I I love them, but yeah, I I thought that was just the coolest song and the coolest video. I didn't know it was ripped off. I'm sad now, but no, I mean I don't I don't love it any less. The, the, the whole like let's make a synth pop or like an electronic like song and then put an anime over it. It's like Daft uh, Punk, they uh, trailblazed. It's pretty cool. Ah. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, now you have one more. I love. Say what? Might be your next jam. No, yeah. time. You know that song? Yeah. One more time. Yeah. I think they're French <laughs> robots, right? Yeah, they're French yeah. robots. So, you ask a question. I did ask a question. Oh, where are you? Where Where were you? Oh yes. Where were you? Yeah. <laughs> where I was. I think that's an Alan Jackson song about 9-11. Where are you? <laughs> Freedom like, costs a buck, oh, five. <laughs> so, no. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Um, so, we didn't show up. Area 51. For the Area 51. Well, no. I was I had, I was busy. He had to work. I was I was busy. <laughs> but the guy peeing <laughs> on the fence? <laughs> I, I did... I did see. I saw one. I saw one news clip that, where there was a guy like streaking past whoever was doing yeah, the reporting. So <laughs> 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 then they would reveal that they had blasters. You know, they just like yeah. alien technology. So I did a so, little research on that. It actually was particle beams. That is the running theory. That's what it was. Particle accelerators, that's what they're shooting up in Air 51. It wasn't UFOs. It was actually. It was from ground to up, not yeah. down to. They make plasma I, balls by shooting a whole bunch of atoms in the air. So, so like, how many, like 100,000 people signed up to show up? In like 70, yeah, and now 75 people made it. I didn't sign up. I was. I mean, I vocally signed up. Catering and everything that had been ordered. Yeah. Back out and oh God! So much. Yeah, well, there was. I said, "You got a contract. It's happening." It's no, there was there was so much cocktail shrimp just <laughs> roasting out in the sun. They had no idea about the desert or Burning Man. It was it, well, it was like meth fire festival. Like home cooked meth fire festival. I'm just. I mean, I got. I mean, I was I was busy that day, but I thought you guys still might show up and like, you know, help storm the. Work. We all showed up. Help storm the gates and bring and free the aliens. You're looking at number sixty-eight through seventy-six right here. But no, we uh, we all missed out on a great opportunity to to free the aliens. Right. So uh, last thing I had from the homework is uh, anybody have some ideas for sequels that never ha that were never made, sequels that never happened. ET2. <laughs> so we, are we gonna go around the room or what are we gonna do? Yeah, let's, let's just let's just go around the horn. All right, who wants to go first? Lucas, you got. I'll go last. What do you got, Chad? Well, ET2 obviously with e the area of the ET2. Yeah. Yeah, he comes back. He's really jonesing for some M&Ms. He destroys half the planet trying to find 
the right Eminem, you know? He was at the Reese's. Oh, it was the Reese's Pieces. Well, obviously, I haven't seen E.T., so. Well, no, he, 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 came, he, came, he came back for Eminem's, though. That's why he's mad. Yeah. It was yeah. After he left, he found out about the M and M's, and he came back. Yeah. He's trying to free those little characters. He thinks they're actually really things. He looks commercial. He sees these guys running around. He goes, "I gotta free these guys." He knows they. No, they they are real, and he knows they're real. You got more. Um, okay, so, I mean, uh, the Goonies 2, when you just follow that one weird freak guy, the sloth, and he just, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> you see what he said, depressing guy, like, just like, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's sloth, it's basically Forrest Gump, but with sloth. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of like... You know, why does he hang around that pirate ship so much? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe they go all, you know, all of them get on the pirate ship and they do like a round the world tour. You know, yeah, where, where do they end up? Let's go sail the seven seas with this weird Port man. Oh, we're showing the sailor lifestyle. Yeah, there you go. They're all grown by then. Yeah. I mean, you've got the facial hair to do the sailor lifestyle. <laughs> Let, let the record reflect that Connor does, in fact, have the facial hair to go about a pirate lifestyle. He's a pirate lifestyle. <laughs> Kevin, do you have anything? Kevin, what do you got? Nothing? Nothing? How? No way. You got no sequels? I tried to think of it, and every one that came to mind, oh crap, there is a sequel. How about something that shouldn't have gotten a sequel? How about how many sequels there are, by the way? There are a lot of sequels. Yeah. I'm, I'm going through mine, and I'm going to see one. And they're doing one. Yeah, I mean... That's, an, that's a future homework right there. Sequels that shouldn't have been made. I don't yeah. know if we've got enough time. Highlander 2. <laughs> It was so awful they shouldn't have made the first one. <laughs> let the record let the record reflect that Kevin has shed a single tear. <laughs> yeah, that's absurd. They're alien criminals. The one part of highlighted that's absurd. The name the of one the planet. Part, the one part. <laughs> Connor, where do you go? Alright, here's my list. E.T. First one out. Oh, oh. Copycat. Wrong, it was already written down. Uh, the Breakfast Club. What happened to those kids? How'd they turn out? Drugs. I want to see where they are like they're, out there with jobs and they still get together for breakfast. They're all accountants and it's awful. They didn't actually have breakfast in the movie though. So. You've never seen the Breakfast Club? No, they didn't actually have breakfast. <laughs> I know. They showed up to the library and hung out. It's the most that important meal of the day. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> That's not the most important. Next one, Spaceballs. Yes. They oh, promised the sequel and they never gave us one. Yes. The quest for more money. Yes. Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, Ooh. shit. Yes. You've got bigger, bigger Trouble in... Yeah. Smaller... So You've Got Mail is going to either be you Got Twitter or you Got 4chan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> and then you said one other that made me think that was a, a The Goonies. No, before that. Before that, you said something else. Huh? Uh, oh, Flash Gordon. I was going to put Oh. Oh. Yeah. Buckaloo Bonsai. Yeah, exactly. Ava, what do you got? I don't have anything. Really? Angie, what do you got? Mine aren't really sequels. They're the same movie, but from a different perspective. Like like Jaws from Jaws' perspective, the entire movie. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just a lot of water, like water noise. I just want movies, but from a different perspective, like the antagonist's perspective. That's like Flags of Our Fathers yeah. and Letters of Hugo Demon. Yes. That's right, yeah, yeah. Both yes. sides of it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Like Halloween from Michael Myers' point of view. <laughs> but it's, but you, like, it's, but it's, he's got the mask on still. Yes, so, the entire like, movie. Most of the screen is blacked out. You've got two eye holes. 
<laughs> to watch everything. <laughs> well, but you, <laughs> you, you feel for his struggle though. It's really hard to see. Exactly. That's why he's so angry. Exactly. So speaking of films and filmmakers, so we've got the other cousins. Chad is the other cousin. Although maybe Connor's becoming the other cousin. According to what happened, they took a vote earlier. <laughs> I made one joke. It was, it oh, was it was tractor tank. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chad has made a film. I want you to explain. We, I, who has seen Chad's film? That I well, you shared it. All right. I shared it. Where did you look? I'm not seeing it. I Did you see his film? I did not. Really? I meant to, and I, I forgot. forgot. I forgot. I forgot. I, I forgot. Tell us interpretation. What's going on with the seed? I am the seed. I am the seed. Right? Is the time seed? I am so, seed. I am seed. So, it, it, okay. So, tell them the premise of what you're doing. Let me give me a little bit of backstory. So, uh, there's a there's a film competition called the 48 Hour Film Project, and so it, you're tasked with making a movie in 48 hours. It goes from conception, writing, filming, editing, scoring. Wow. The whole deal you gotta do it in 48 hours. So, uh, exactly, right? That's you know? how they moved Eddie Murphy and Nick Nelty moved. They just went feature <laughs> film with Yeah. It worked out so well they did it again. And over and over, they're trying to find the magic, they just can't do it. So we do that, we get together, we were like, we write. I mean, we talk about some stuff. We cheated. Yeah, so, yeah, right, we cheated. <laughs> Uh, so we make this movie, and what it is, we're uh, given like a few prompts. So uh, one of them is you have to have a line of dialogue, you have to have a character that's specific to every film, and then uh, one of the most important things is you're supposed to draw genres at random. So like you get two two random genres, and you just have to pick one of them. So if you get like you know like musical and uh, western well, you gotta make a western musical hopefully or, or a western or you've, a musical western. you've got hello dolly blazing saddles exactly right music. but we're not that good we're not Mel Brooks good so we get dark comedy though that's cool so we decide you know, what stories we have in the back of our brains uh, we have some cult stories that we've always wanted to do, that one of them is like, what happens if you get accepted in the cult and you're gonna be the cult sacrifice, but at, you know, right when the sacrifice was to happen, this thing you've been hoping and dreaming for your whole entire life, they're like, no, you're not gonna be sacrificed anymore, you just get to, you know, you just get to wait around and we're gonna kill somebody else. So this guy, that's what the, the crux of the story is, he's always wanted to be the person sacrificed in this cult. That gets removed. And then he just takes it into his own hands, so that's kind of the and, and yet, when he does, I don't want to give it away for those who haven't seen it yet, but when he does, he does actually see the promised land. Like, yes, true. Yeah. There's truth. He's a glimpse of it, and it's like, oh, no, I was I was there. I was in the garden. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, that's but how do we know that's him? Exactly. Un, uh, what's it? Is a very... Uh, Bullshit. A bullshit or <laughs> imagination, imagination, you know, or unreliable narrator. That's what the other yeah, that's, 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 that's the term when you're the, in school. Yeah, right. So, I mean, uh, but then everybody deserts him at the end anyway. So, I mean, that's real life. So, uh, how many people were in this competition? Uh, in Los Angeles, there were probably. 50 teams? Yeah. 49? No, no, excuse me, there were like 113, 100 something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we didn't end up doing okay. Who we won it? Would, would you, who won it? Uh, <laughs> it was a team called Cultural Detritus. Yeah, right? And they, they made a film about um, this uh, occasion on uh, a train where this woman imagines, like, what if she actually, like, talked to the people on the train and, and made friendships and stuff? And was it good? Was it better than yours? I don't think so, but, I mean, obviously, coming out of bias, I, well, I, I don't know. You would, you would admit if it was, like, crazy good. Yeah, I would. Yeah. No, I would. If it was, if it was like, 
transcend, like, if it transcended our film, I'd be like, oh yeah, hands, hands down, it was way better. No, this one just had, like, you know, laid off judges, social, like, social identity issues that they really wanted to, like, bring home and exploit so that you would feel good about what happened in the film. That's my opinion. I don't know. That's kind of like a shitty Damn, liberals. Exactly. And the judges. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, we're not fucking masterpiece makers over here. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, that, was that how it exactly. really went down? I mean, that's the life of Crumman, but that's just me. Yeah. You've taken a film studies course before. <laughs> no, he used to read the TV guide. Yeah, he just read the TV guide. He's taken lots of courses before. I've watched a lot of TV movies. That's good. That's kind of my thing. You've heard of IMDb? Yeah. Yeah. He's the human version. So. He checks them. He's like, actually. That does that does make me think though of another good uh, 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 sequel. So uh, Joe, ver- so I got a couple, but now now I'm thinking uh, Joe versus the volcano two. Two two Joe two two volcanoy. Lava. <laughs> Is it the same volcano? Same volcano, yeah. He he goes back again. I mean, that's, that's right up there with Waterworld. <laughs> Roughly. Uh, no, I had I mentioned. Uh, La-, La Bamba 2, Richie Valens comes back as a zombie. It's a zombie movie. NTSB version. Top Gun 2, which is actually it's, it's happening. No, but uh, uh, Days of Thunder 2, but, but they're electric cars now. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very quiet movie. It's not nearly as loud. Hey, Robin's part of racing. <laughs> but how do you deal with the electric car? I guess we'd have to have David. David needs to be here so he could explain yeah. how you would race electric cars. Yeah, but like, yeah, the race. Is it the beach? It accelerates so fast. Yeah, they do. Zero to 45 in like, you pulled over like milliseconds. Yeah, there's, there's like, it's like, like in the, in the, on the track, but like, the car is racing by and it's just like <laughs> it's, it's super quiet. Like you can hear the people in the ca- in the crowd like having conversations. It's almost distracting how how loud the conversations are in the crowd. That's all I got. We have one more homework. One more homework. The main. From from time before last, so we 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 were asked to write stories. This is a Mad Lib. So let me lay out the background. I'm the only one who's read them all. This is a masterpiece. This moved me. Lots of tears. We need tissues. This is amazing. And the rest of you guys did okay as well. But I, I would I would say writing dialogue is really hard. It's so hard. Oh. I was, I was, I was so excited about this narrative I was gonna, and then I get to start writing like, uh, writing, writing dialogue is so hard. The next one should be this with us. I like that. Oh, that'd be good. So we've got a lot of different ideas. I don't know if you were here for the earlier. Definitely wasn't. Yeah, I know you were. So one is that we might have a common theme running through all of them, a line connection that we've all got to come back to, a what through line. And 
you have to do that in the industry. So you have to get it. You have to pick an industry. That was an article on TV Guide. <laughs> it's how it So the other idea was what was the other idea? Uh, to guess who was reading, oh, who yeah, wrote yeah. them. We get a competition. We label them. Oh, we, we try, try to guess who wrote what. No, it's too, well. We already know the beginning and the ending. It would be fair to the one that well, you'll you'll see later. Can't be any worse. It is. No, no, they're all really good. <laughs> the uniqueness of all of them. So the only person who, who took this very literally and did it the right way was Chad. <laughs> <laughs> he actually wrote a Mad Lib with the direction of what to insert in different spots. And so I took the liberty of taking yours and inserting when you said noun, when you said adverb, when you said verb, uh, uh, is that what we're supposed to do? Oh, no. I. Oh, okay. That's not I, what we're supposed to do. <laughs> okay. I used a random word generator. You can there's that on the web. So I just random that word. Oh yeah, that. No, you didn't watch out. This is like so Well, you did it correctly. But he also I, understand, did. I understand what a Mad Lib is. It was yeah. what, what I wrote yesterday was not technically Right, exactly. So I was very liberally using the term Mad Lib, and we all understood that because we were privy to all the other conversations. He wasn't privy to it, so he created it, and yet it works. Wait till you hear it. So the other thing is the freaky weirdness of the common threads that are throughout so many of these and the elements that will come up again and again and again. Um, only, uh, let's see, one person definitely truly chose to go comedian. That was Josh. Of course. I think that was comedy. <laughs> that, that, that went, that, my, mine went from comedy to dark, back to comedy. As I, as I rewrote it. Because I couldn't decide which way to go. You had some elements of comedy in on how you um, yours was not comedic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I would say April and Elise's was comedic. Elise was April and Elise wrote theirs uh, together. The, the, the high literary parts are Elise's. <laughs> So what I was thinking we'd do, I'm going to pass these out as a copy of all of it, in, or, in the order I think it should be read. Either you can read your own or I'll read yours, depending on what you want to do, we'll read it into the history. Does that sound good? Yeah. Want me to read it all? Pass it around. Yeah. Just pass it around. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. Yeah, I can't see this, so you're going to have to read mine. <laughs> Alright, this will help you follow along. So we're going to start with Josh. I'm going to read it again. I've read it through it. I've read through one time. So my apologies for any mistakes as I read this through. It's so long! <laughs> it's like a script. Uh, and we begin. A cold wind gathered in the mountains. It traveled across the plains, bringing with it an energy that was felt by all it touched. The energy was almost tangible, but remained just beyond description by all but a few. To those few, what the wind carried was a single chilling word. That word was war. Amy Bender, and congratulations on everybody using first and last names throughout almost all of it, <laughs> was one of the few that felt the energy and the fear it carried. She knew war. She knew violence and death. She had tried to forget, tried to move on, but her life had ended and begun anew amid the blood-stained fields of the great Fraggle Fraggles had lived peacefully underground 
around for millennia, long before humans ruled the land above. As humans spread across the land, the fragments remained underground. When the humans began digging for metals, they killed any fraggle they encountered. The fraggles began to fight back. Skirmishes began became battles. Before long, war spilled out to the Septuania and onto the surface world. Fraggles had no love for war, but they soon found a taste for human blood. In the end, a great price was paid to end the conflict. The few surviving Fraggles retreated deep within the earth, and the surviving humans again asserted their control over the surface world. The Great Fraggle War had no winners. When the price was paid and the war ended, there were no parades, there was no celebration, there was nothing to celebrate. There were no victors, only survivors. Amy had a friend, Jenny Lynch. Amy had known Jenny since the day they fought through a fighting, flailing horde of fraggles. They had killed their share of and had seen their share of friends fall. When the war ended, they had moved from town to town, helping to rebuild and trying to forget. They eventually settled here in Red Ridge, a small community that had been largely untouched by the conflict. Red Ridge was peaceful and serene, the perfect place to rebuild a life. That all changed the day they were approached by Matt Jensen and Dan Robles. Matt was the local blacksmith and Dan was his apprentice. They had crafted weapons for the war. Is this kind of a Game of Thrones kind of thing? No, I was playing. I was playing Warcraft. He was playing while Warcraft. I was this. <laughs> they had crafted weapons for the war, but had never seen combat. So Dan was also rumored to be studying the dark energies that had appeared alongside the Fraggles. Amy, Jenny, come take a look at this. Matt yelled as he flagged them down. Beside him was Dan, who was gently carrying something small in his hands. As they approached, they saw what appeared to be a small body and froze where they stood. That, that can't be one Jenny asked. She looked to Amy, whose face had gone pale. Amy had instantly recognized what that body was. She was one of the few who had ever seen one in real. We found that out by the pond. Any idea what it is, Matt asked? The body Dan held was a tiny humanoid with pale green skin. Was that, which one was the pale green skin one? No, no, it's, it's one of the, you'll get there. Okay. <laughs> it wore what looked like feather clothes and had what looked like, oh yeah, yeah, small tools on a belt. Jenny looked to Amy, hoping against hope it wasn't what she thought it was. Amy slowly approached and confirmed Jenny's fear. Doozer. <laughs> Matt and Dan nervously chuckled. You're joking, right? Matt asked. Those are just rumors. But Amy knew better. She had seen them herself. In the depths of the cave early in the war, doozers were mysterious. Their role in the underground unknown, but one thing was known. Where there were producers, there were always fragments. Yeah, the doozers were little green dudes, hard hats, and, and, their, and their construction projects tasted really good. Yeah, one with one. And break them off and eat them. The red, the red one tastes like ketchup, and the other one tastes like mustard. So, do you remember the the dog Sprocket? Yes, yes. Sprocket. And, and I was trying to think of the Fraggle, the, the big one. Uh, she was kind of the elder, and she knew a lot of shit. Red, oh no! Red, uh, was it red? No. No, not red. Uh, no, not red. She had the she had the cardigan. Oh, yeah, 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 the yeah. cardigan. Around, uh, yeah. Dang, I remember. <laughs> Next is Angie. Dan Robles sits in his favorite chair, reflecting on the time back in that old rustic cabin. Cabin. As Matt rambles on about some girl he met. All right, I'm getting some interference. Why is he suddenly taken back to that place? Is it something Matt said Dan realizes as he's only half paying attention to the conversation? Is it something about the way the rain hits the windows? Matt notices the far off look of Dan's face and changes the subject. Hey, before I forget, can I borrow some of that Halloween stuff? I'd really like to impress this girl, and I want the party to be perfect. Dan mumbles something as he gets up from the chair, and both make their way up to the shed. I want to remind everyone that a couple of rules that were kind of overarching our, our writing, and I just want you to remember there were rules, and we're going to see if there's any violations. <laughs> they open the doors and locate the boxes of old costumes and plastic pumpkins. 
As Matt rummages through the nervous, numerous containers, pulling out parts of random objects, Dan instantly goes closer. He's overwhelmed with a sense of panic as he notices the object is The bike stands exactly as they will. As they will. He's thrown in the back of the shed, half ridden under the charge. It's then that all the memories come flooding back. How could Dan have blocked that horrible day from his mind? Isn't that long ago? Isn't it? wasn't that long ago. <laughs> she walked over to the window, reflecting on the surroundings. Amy Bender always treasured rainy afternoons. Dan loved spending spring in that cabin. Just then, Amy saw something in the distance, or rather, someone. Is that Jenny? As Jenny lets Drew close, the rain hammered down into the grass, and Amy could see the glint in her eyes. Amy told as she suddenly grasped what Jenny was there, why Jenny was there. Look, Jenny! Growled Amy, with a scared, scared look on her face. I'm sorry, it was a mistake. I wish I could. Jenny looked back slightly puzzled and wiped rain from her forehead. Amy, I want my bike back. <laughs> Jenny unexpectedly lunged forward, trying to push Amy to the ground. Quickly, Amy pulled the knife. Well, at the knife, she didn't even realize she grasped the seat and held it out in front of her. Jenny's leg trembled as she let out an anguish groan and fell to the ground in mud. Her hair swept across her once innocent face. So she's so angry, so confused. Why, Amy? Moments later, Jenny was dead. <laughs> We live in a society with rules. They were followed. <laughs> Dan ran out into the yard. Amy, what have you done, he yelled. We have to get out of here. Just get your stuff. Amy, let's go. What Dan can't figure out is why they grabbed a bike in the first place. Why bring it back here? Matt finishes putting together the pirate costume he decides on and finds it over to Dan. Dude, what's up with you? Where are you going off to? Where are you keep going off to? Dan shakes it off and replies, It's nothing. Just remember something I have to do later. Well, you are coming to the party, right? Matt asks. I really want you to meet Jenny. Who? Dan blurts out. Matt looks startled and answers, Jenny, Jenny Lynch. Here, look. I have a few pictures of her. Dead pictures. <laughs> All right, this is Chad. So everything that's bold is where I inserted something to answer. Okay, so you really left Yeah, This is real. looks down the street to see if anyone or anything was there. She sees nothing. Deciding that this is her best opportunity to make a run for it before application comes at Vomiting at a mild pace. She sees a bright flash followed by a loud clanging and then a nervous explosion. <laughs> Landing at her feet, she sees something akin to a manatee. <laughs> With her buttocks clenched and her eyes fixed on her family home, she quickens her pace and begins to sidestep the hideous creature coming from the crowd. Stop! yells Jenny Lynch from across the street. Amy, don't go that way. That gross ostrich with three hands and a wonderful tail is going to legislate you to death. Amy hesitates, turns towards Jenny and sees her supplementing behind a red gold wagon jet. That's when she felt sees them. Matt Jensen and Dan Rogers flying the street wearing only capes and a pair of Fender Stratagas. Pearl Jam! I, that was my for your benefit. Shreds in the background as the pair land to take on the terrible beast set before them. The sound fades. Amy, Dan shouts. Only with the power of rock and Lysol will we ever be able to defeat that terrible monster. Matt chimes in as well. And Jenny, Amy and Jenny, before you stand two gods of thunder, let us show you our ultimate ability. Impressively twirling into the air with colorful clouds of smoke flying from their nostrils, they launch an audible onslaught that even rival the power and authority of the Beastie Boys. But this metal display of eastern manliness and violent force only serve to further anger the alien creature proclaiming about their about on their lawn. Unimpressed by the boys' musical accompaniment, Amy presses on towards the creature. 
and at the last moment angrily pulls five stirrups <laughs> with a mighty heave she launches all of them at the alien hoping to pierce its skin but to no avail with the re with, with few remaining options the boys decide to pick up Amy and Ginny and fly towards Marrakesh before the alien can repair its spacecraft transform into the darkness you fools thought the alien to itself I will find you and I will sponsor you until the end of cable television if I could if I could interject briefly I want to start a band called the stirrup hose I second that motion I think that'd be a great idea now we come to Connor's version Amy and Dan had found themselves in quite the pickle as a train approached New York City's Penn Station. The wires, they were everywhere. Green, red, blue, white, and black wires flowed out from the devices, the device, as if it were the love child of Medusa and Moab. Dan proceeded to wipe the sweat from Amy's brow as she meticulously cut the wires one by one. However, the rag was regularly falling into the rag. The rag was regularly falling into Amy's face due to Dan's lack of green middle finger. <laughs> He was permanently locked into the gnarly dude and gesture. Holding things, especially under pressure, was not his strong suit. Amy was battling a true warrior in this dire time. Sweat, wires, clammy hands, the occasional blindness due to the wet rag in her face. Suddenly, as if her biological Amy's eyes began to feel like the weight of the world was upon them. No, dear God, no, she said. Not now. This cannot happen now. Amy's rare condition had kicked in as the train began to sharply turn north. The change in the Earth's magnetic direction activates Amy's turbulency and she begins to fade. How do we not account for the changing course, Dan? Aren't you the damn geography expert, you white-handed idiot? Amy. You white-handed idiot! change in the track, but it had been a while since he had reviewed his Northwestern regional routes. <laughs> spending most of his free time at the beach trying to his hand at surfing for <laughs> <laughs> Amy was unconscious as the timer continued to tick towards zero. She had indicated that there was one wire remaining to be cut, but did not indicate which one of the three that there that were still intact it was. Red, yellow, green, Dan's guess was as good as a 70-year-old man standing next to him doing the backseat driving version of bomb diffusion. <laughs> One minute, 43 seconds until detonation until the train reached New York City. Dan had one choice. Once, one choice only. But Dan had one choice and one, I think, and one choice only. But what would happen next? Which shocked the world. Suspense! <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's one. God, this is long. <laughs> <laughs> this is long. There's so many pages left. <laughs> awesome. Good idea. <laughs> Wait. Uh, we're going to take a pause. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's going to read along from the urinal. There's a bunch. Yeah, there's four. Amy blinked slowly, then quickly, rousing herself from slumber. She stared blankly at the ceiling, trying to place herself in the world. That was a dream, she thought. Now, where am I? Oh yeah, the cabin. Creepy! <laughs> she could see it all more clearly as the nonsensical fantasy it was, with the vividness remained. It had seemed so real, every detail. The sun was creeping up on the shadows of the night. Morning noises echoed through the forest. She sat up, shaking the confusion from her head, from her mind. Dan was already awake, as were Ginny and Matt, the hitchhikers. Well, they had survived, comforted herself. Good morning, Dan greeted her with a hushed voice. I sat beside her, scratching her back and surveying the barren surroundings. And you thought we went vacant, joking me, Mom. Good morning. <laughs> Matt politely gestured from his with his thick German draw. Ginny followed suit, rising quickly as if startled. Morgan! <laughs> she moved to the window to the relocation giving her a sharp shiver. Outside the Jeep was snow-packed, its substantial front end only half visible. Her eyes scanned the ground for fresh tracks. 
Matt turned his attention to the door, giving it, giving it security a quick nervous inspection. Then to the dying fire, he focused. There wasn't much left to burn. At some point, they would need to venture out for wood. They seemed to come to that realization simultaneously, which caused them all to meet eyes. Their troubled looks spooked them. Dan broke the silence, raising his arm in a threatening pose while diffusing the tension with a smiling growl, followed quickly by a laugh. The Germans looked at each other and then nervously chuckled. <laughs> That's not funny, Amy protested. I'm sorry, but we have to keep our spirits up, he defended. Then turning to the Germans. Sorry, just a little humor. Fortunately, he spoke perfect German from his ears in East Berlin. <laughs> Summoning leadership, Dan continued first in English, then in perfect German. Whatever that was last night, it was probably far, far away. I think it was wounded from the wreck. Probably ran off scared. It was now Jenny's turn to protest in near, near perfect German. I have never seen anything move like that. It was a blitz before both and after the impact. It was watching us the entire time. She stared at Amy, signaling her agreement. What did she say? Amy asked. She said it was scary, but she agrees with me. It's probably over. She is mostly concerned for your comfort. Matt bent down to the ham radio, continuing his vain efforts from the evening before. The hand crank simply wouldn't give enough charge to get a full sentence broadcast. Even if it could, there was no promise it would be received. Watching him work, Amy's mind wondered, thinking, what? how they might escape. She leaned against the cabin door. Bang! A thunderous blow slammed against the door from the outside. She screamed as she struggled to move from the impending danger. Her inertia restraining her. Panicked retreat. Dan grabbed her, swinging her away from the danger as Jenny scampered to the far corner. Looking for protection, Amy took hold and began lifting the bed. Once the men caught the plan, the three of them positioned the barricade against the door. But no further danger appeared. The cabin and the surrounding forest were silent, and the heart pounding in his chest. Their heavy breath clouded in air as they continued to brace. Suddenly, the windows fledged in morning light flashed dark, and Jenny shrieked, having made her sight. Staring back at her was the creature that made its call. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Amy, Jenny, Matt, and Dan stopped everything they were doing. Amy needs to go to CVS to buy some blister band-aids. Her new band, all birds and flats are dinging into her feet. They call it an Uber, but only after much discussion about current specials and promotions and setting up Dan's new account to give them a discounted price. Their driver's name is Chaz. Chaz has stories. Chaz recites poetry. Chaz has a bad sense of direction. And Chaz has the max Then he saw something in the distance, or rather somewhere. It was the figure of Amy Bender. 
Amy was an intelligent but emotionally fragile girl that needed someone to lean on. Van Gogh. He glanced at his own reflection. He was a bold, outgoing man who loved to be on his own. His friend saw him as an academic but loved to push the boundaries of the There's so many adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> gotta fill up the space. The rain hammered like a car wash from the sky, as Dan stepped outside and again with rain. Right, Amy came closer. He could see the glowing smile on her face. Amy gazed with the affection of the golden cockerel looking over the chair at the nearby stadium. She said in a hushed tone, "I love you." And I want to be loved. <laughs> Dan looked back with a worried look, rubbing the enchanted rock. Amy, I must go back in time, he replied. She looked at him with a curious stare and downtrodden thought. Amy had no idea what Dan was talking about, but she wanted to go on this adventure together. Eventually, he took a deep breath. I'm sorry, began Dan in apologetic tones. I have to do this on my own, and I don't feel the same way, and I never will. I just don't love you, Amy. Amy was crushed. Her motion rolled like an oyster just pulled from the ocean. She slumped to the ground. Dan could actually hear Amy's heart shattering to 1,882 pieces. So specific. She stood up, and a fragile girl hurried away into the distance. Not even a swig of her birdies. He was about to embark on a journey that no one could afford to see. Have you noticed we all paired up the same two? Yes. Like Dan and Amy? And yeah. How about that? <laughs> yep. Here. Well, wait for this. Ava, this shit's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy and I have someone we want in a maze. You can tell him all your problems. The next morning was seemingly the same as every fall day the world had ever seen. The sun rose and the cool of the night transformed into another day. The students got up and went to their classes wearing sweaters and drinking coffee and they prayed for different through the day. Conversation stirred about the upcoming holiday and the football game the night before. Seniors discussed plans for the final Halloween before college as the teachers hushed them for the thousandth time. From the outside looking in, it appeared to be a normal day, however, it was far from normal. It was the first and I was the first to notice their absence. How about her with the first person? I sat down in English, pitching to tell Amy, Dan, and Jenny about my plan for Halloween. As the minutes passed, I began to wonder where Jenny and Amy were. They were never late. Jenny picked Amy up every morning before school and never once had they walked in after the bell. Dan sat down seconds before the bell rang. His tardiness did not surprise me. All through English, I looked up to the door expecting to see them walk in. I texted Amy at lunch, asking her where she was, assuming Jenny was with her as usual. I expected to receive a message back, but never did. Neither of them came to school that day. I stopped by Amy's house after school, expecting to find that she was either sick or grounded, neither of which would shock me. Instead, I pulled up to see two police cars in the driveway and their lights flashing. I ran inside to find Amy's mother sitting on the couch with Jenny's parents. Their heads were buried in their hands and I heard the sniffles across the room. Behind them, two police officers searched the house. Amy and Jenny were nowhere in sight. As a matter of fact, they were gone. Both of the rooms mostly empty. Presences ceasing to exist. The only thing that remained was a small note on each of their beds, which read, Gone to the Windy City with my best friend. There is nothing here for us anymore. We need an adventure. It's no one's fault but our own. We need freedom. It came as a shock to everyone in our families at the school that Amy and Jenny would run away. They were both model students and athletes. Their families had already made their college arrangements. The world was at their fingertips, but they had wanted more than any of us could offer. That was the day I discovered Amy Bender and Jimmy Lynch had a secret. They were the, the moon, cratered by flaws, alone in the sea of black. A part from them was always hidden in the dark. A part of them that wanted to be free. Free from the pressure of having to conform to the They had dreams and they were willing to do what it took to accomplish them. 
Amy and Jenny were just like everyone else. They had the potential to reach their dreams. Unlike others, however, they recognized it and were willing to take the step to attain it. Amy Bender called me a week later from Chicago. She told me that she and Jenny were safe and living in a small apartment. She asked me not to tell anyone where they were, but simply say they were safe. I asked if I could come visit her city. She simply said someday before hanging out the phone. I figured someday could be any day. So, I sat down at my computer and booked a ticket to Chicago. And now, the novel. <laughs> I had to tie all these stories together. A conclusion by Dan, Amy, and Jenny slowly regain consciousness to find them tied tightly by their wrist and they recognize the room as they burn as the burned out remains of the cabin. Good God! I know, where all of their horrors had begun months earlier. All of their chairs were in a row facing what was left of the cabin's eastern wall. The only sounds were the crackling of the chairs, the wind lightly blowing the pine trees outside, and the metal on metal scraping sound behind them. Dan looked around the room, around the dimly lit room, confused but still not speaking. He struggled to look behind him to see what he was making a scraping sound, but was unable to turn far enough to do so. Amy, seemingly frustrated and annoyed by the situation, began screaming for whoever was behind us to show themselves and let her and her friends go. Jenny was the last to come to. The last thing she remembered before waking up was another bottle of Smirnoff and all those months to go in this very cabin. She could tell that she had been unconscious for some time because she was already beginning to feel the nausea of a hangover. <laughs> Amy's yelling was like a hammer pounding between her ears. The scraping stopped and was replaced by footsteps. When Amy and Dan looked to their left, they saw Matt slowly walking around from behind them. His eyes were bloodshot and he looked as though he had the left leg and he was carrying a freshly sharpened axe. Matt knew he was Dan. There was more blood on his hands than an ocean of holy water could wash away. But this was something he had to do. He didn't know why he was selected to bear the weight of his burden. He began to see the truth about people after he awoke from his coma. Most people appeared normal, and some had a dark aura about them that he could only describe as evil. The fire had cursed him with not only the ability to see demons in the world, but also the uncontrollable compulsion to destroy them. They looked and acted like people he knew, but Matt could see their two demonic forms. With each kill, Matt hoped it would be the last, and the urge in his gut would go away. What the hell is going on, Matt? <laughs> Shut up. I know what you are, Matt. I only hope you're the last of them. The last of them? What are you talking about, Jimmy? Gaining more clarity. Oh my god, you're the one who killed Sonny, Jake, and Emily. I had to vanquish the demons that were inhabiting them. They were no longer the people I knew, just like you are, said Matt. Never making eye contact with Amy. We are possessed or inhabited or whatever you think this is. We're your friends. We're with you here in this cabin during the fire. We've known each other for years. I know you're using their memories to try and trick Emily tried to confuse me too. It won't work. I can see the truth about all of you. Ever since the fire, I can see what you are. I'm the only one who can do what you asked me Dan couldn't bear to look at the axe plunge in his throat and stop He squeezed his eyes closer as tight as he could and turned his head away. He knew Amy was gone when her screams set stopped and he felt a spray of blood land on his with the final swing, it was done. He urged within him to destroy demons remaining. There were more out there in the world that he would have to find and destroy. He hoped the next would be the last. So we have someone special for you too, Kevin. Oh. We we all went dark. We did. We all even those who went humorous went dark. Yes. All the twists were dark. I loved it. We paired up the same. That was a win. Absolutely. Exactly. Every one of them. I want to know what happens. I do. I want to know what gets him into those situations and what happens next. 
find basically I turned my first draft into basically the first chapter because I was giving all the background about the fire and what happened at the cabin with the fire. He's like, no, this is just the last one. There's those damn dozers setting so fires. Is that by the Chautauqua See, like nothing She just approached She was so sad that Dan had just not Dan gone for her. No, Dan never spoke. After the fire, Dan never spoke. Never said a word. And then Ginny she crawled in, crawled into a bottle. But the person with the with the, with the worst scars, not necessarily physical, was Matt because he could see the, the demonic form. Or Cunny. We don't know. Were they demons? Or was he a schizophrenic? They were fraggles! My first draft was a lot bloodier. And originally, the Fraggles were puppets that came up to life and sealed themselves around the arms of the puppeteers and slowly devoured them and forced them to do their... And you have your magic look at Fraggle Rock. Yes. It was a classic. And they're and, creepy. And then, then then, they were just like living puppets and... <laughs> oh, I always want to use HBO. Oh, yeah. Big Fraggle Rock fan. Yes. Down at Fraggle Rock. That was awesome. That was fun. Yes. Writing dialogue is hard. It's so hard. Good hustle. Real good hustle. That's right. David. David was not a part of it. David. Despite the clearance. David kind of owes us. Yeah, he does. Yes, I like it. Eight pages. Eight pages, David. I want to see you produce. Single space. I didn't have any other stories or anything. I think that's all I got. If I got anything else? That's all I had. Something post. We got it. We got it. We definitely got to do this again. Absolutely. It's a good release, right? They got like maybe get outside of my work. Yeah, exactly. I think everybody put in an A effort. It was, it was tremendous. It was. I don't. I don't want to say it was Shakespeare. It wasn't quite. But Hemingway. I was writing my. It was like. Ooh. Yeah, I can't imagine what the people that spy on Kevin think. The demons, they're always spying. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know Remind me not to go camping with Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys don't know what the demons say. <laughs> <laughs> got anything else? No, that's all I got. I think that's good. Alright, let's rest our boats. Alright, good night, everyone. <laughs>